Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. All right, so you finally get to see what's, what's, what, what all this chaos is about on the stage. Came in here today, right? How many of you are like, what's behind these partitions? What do we have in store? I'm actually going to keep this. Should I pull this up here or do you think I should just leave it here? Go up here? Yeah, you want me up here. All right. Yeah, we can push that back if we want. There we go. What? <laughs> well, before I even get into the sermon and you figure out what's behind this and we roll into this, uh, I would just like to thank uh, the church on behalf of uh, the other pastors, the, other, the senior pastors, Pastor Joe, Pastor Linda, for the generous gift. You know, every single year you bless us uh, in extraordinary ways, and it's an honor and a privilege uh, to pastor here in this church. So we are so grateful to leave here last Sunday. I don't know, for me as the preacher, it was just a wonderful Sunday uh, just to feel God's presence and to feel all the love and joy uh, and appreciation from you. So we want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts uh, for that. I would also like to say, since she's not here, she has a cold at home, uh, my wife Megan, you know, so many times we don't realize you see me up here. And a couple of people, maybe it was in the past few weeks, and people say things, and I'm like, you don't live with me. You just see this part of me, honestly. And you don't see what it's like behind the scenes when I'm working for hours, or Pastor Linda's working for hours, or Pastor Joe. There's a lot that goes into it. So to thank them, too, the people, the spouse of the person that is up here. Uh, my wife is amazing, so gracious uh, in, in my time. So I want to thank her. I, I probably, you know, I wouldn't embarrass her if she was here, but since she's not, I wanted to say that to you. Uh, I'm going to need the clicker whenever you get a chance. It's probably back there. We have that. Thanks, brother. All right. Uh, you see the title of our message uh, is Exit Strategy. And you, you know by now, you've heard everyone say, this is the last Sunday of 2018. Can I give us a little, like, I don't know, appetizer before the real sermon? I just kind of, I'm feeling this right now. Is everyone okay with that? How many of you had a, a rough year? Anybody who had a really rough year? Let me see your hands go up. Wow, I see a lot of hands going up here today. Well, it's kind of interesting, and I don't know, I was thinking about maybe even elaborating more on this tomorrow in a very short word uh, to the church as we ring in the new year. Uh, psychologists talk about something called peak end theory. Who's heard of that before? Peak end theory. Yeah, that's why I figured nobody would know what the heck that, that is. Uh, there's two brothers, they're the Chip brothers, and uh, they write mainly uh, books that are sociological in nature, uh, but, you know, for our purposes, you know, as Christians, or really anybody, you could get something out of this. Uh, in their, their latest book is called The Power of Moments, uh, really fabulous read, and in there, they talk about this peak end theory, and you know what this is? This is what it means. Um, in terms of being at the end of a year, uh, they use the example of Disney World. And I'm also using this too because my wife is not here as well. Uh, you know my love for all that is Disney World. Peak end theory is we do not evaluate all of our experiences as human beings um, in the moment to moment. Instead, we have flagship moments, right? You, feel, you following me? So like the peaks, the pits, and the transitions. So when you raised your hands and I said, how many of you had a rough year in 2018? But getting back to Disney. Wait, getting back to Disney first. In case you really didn't get what I'm saying. So they use the example of Disney World. How many of you had incredible experiences at Disney World? Right? I know the arcades, they've been there a lot. You had incredible But if you rated your moment-to-moment -moment existence while in the mousetrap, it would not be something that you would say is tremendous. I rate my experiences, if I did it moment to moment, I'd be at a minus 100, right? How about when you go there in the long lines? There's a new ride that's out called uh, Avatar. People were online this past week, my wife told me, for four hours. What human will stand in a line for a ride for four hours? If that's you, you need help, okay? <laughs> Serious help that I can't give you. Right? And you think about it, it's a small world after all, right? 
So when you rate your experience, it would be a one point something. I bring that up because when you look at the course of your year in 2018 and you say you had a rough year, you're looking at certain big moments. And I would say, I would caution us that maybe over time you look back on those moments and you look back on this year and you say, wow, God, you were doing some extraordinary things in my life in 2018 and all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Let's stop evaluating certain things in our lives and situations because we think they're bad. We don't ultimately know. I just read that. I could make a whole sermon out of that, but I just kind of thought it was good. So be careful this year in evaluating things and be careful as you walk into 2019. Now let's get to the real sermon. Let's pray first. Lord, Lord, I thank you for this moment that we have in time. Father, I ask that you would really do something inside of hearts and minds today. Lord, that you would really move Father, all of us, we've experienced uh, the newness of life as we leave one year and we enter a new year. Lord, I ask that this would be different. I ask that people would have epiphanies, Lord, in here, that there would be moments that people go, oh my gosh, I see my life. Lord, let us see who we really are and where we are and the issues that we've been dragging from one year to the next. Lord, help us to see that change can really happen in 2019 and we can leave 2019 different than we entered it. Lord, give us an exit strategy. Amen. Now, I'm going to pull I'm going to pull one of these out here. I'm going to get a you don't know what I'm pulling out. How many of you can see? Maybe you can see. You see this the two doors here. We have some luggage piece of luggage right here. Mm. Now, let me just tell you, I'm Pastor Linda's son. I'm a terrible packer. Anybody else in here, you're, a, you're just not a good packer when you go away on vacation. Anybody, you're a bad packer? All right. A lot of you, really? Were there two of us in the whole church? Three? No, now I'm going to stop. Four? I need to know. Are there any other bad fives? All right, now I can finish because I, I just... Wow, you really, you made me, I felt very alone up here. So it's interesting. When I pack, when I go away, I guarantee you I'm the heaviest packer in here because I bring food. I bring, in case the Ebola virus breaks out and, you know, we, we need medication for colds and flus and what, ha- I bring everything. Every precaution, any type of weather, I pack it all. Some of you can probably bring a backpack, right? And you could pack for a week, not me. This is minimum, what I need. Minimum. Got to pack everything inside this. And I know you're bad too. Pastor Linda has always been known. She'll go away on vacation and the books that the woman brings. Books. Kindle. You have your Kindle up, but you used to bring books. I remember this guy schlepping out to the car with bags of books back in the day. You remember those days? Yes. And isn't it a joy, though, when you travel and you, you have this? I know it is for me. And you bring it up. You're flying somewhere. And you bring it up. You're checking in. And you bring it up to the counter. And there is that individual. And you're, I'm praying as I'm going up to the counter because I know what's ahead of me. Because I know the max weight limit for this puppy is probably, what, 50, 60 pounds. Right? That's the, it depends on the airline. Okay. Whatever the ma- we're going to say it's 50. Is that all right, Vanna? Can we say 50? We're going to go 50. So if this bag, right, is over 50 pounds, we have problems. How many of you are familiar with Sebastian Maniscalco, the comedian? Some of you know where I'm going then. Greatest, because I've done this so many times in my life. You go up to the counter, and then the, the, the person, I, I even try to cheat. I'm not going to, I'm a pastor. I'm not going to lie, though, because when I bring that bag up and they tell you to put it on the scale, I kind of like discreetly just try to hold my hand a little bit, like on the side. You can judge me if you want, but I'm trying to lighten this puppy up a little bit so I can get through. Sometimes you get grace. You try to slide a 20 across the table. Is this going to work? Because I, you don't, they're going to charge you 50 to 100 bucks for a bag that's too heavy. So there we are, right? And there you are, and you open the bag, 
And you're like trying to take stuff out. And I love Maniscalco's little, that thing he gets into about, I don't know, two, I'm two pounds over. What's two, what weighs two pounds? Is that a shoe? Is that a bag? What is it? What, what am I going to take out? And he goes through the whole thing. And I've been there so many times. How many of you can relate to that? You've been there, right? You've been there. But the interesting thing is this. Listen to me. Listen. There's a point to this. Okay. The fascinating part to me as I'm thinking about you for 2019 is the reason why they will charge us more money for a bag that has more than they're allotting for individual people is because the plane then is going to be too heavy. So in order to send this bag to the destination, say it's going to Mickey's house, in order to send it from here to Long Island, if it's more than the weight than they have allowed, I'm going to pay a hefty price. The light bulb should be going off right now. You see, so many of us are traveling from 2018 going into 2019 with so much excess baggage and we can carry it, but we are going to pay a hefty price. Don't wait for me to preach. I'm preaching. And we're carrying so much. Aren't you sick of carrying stuff that God said, I never intended for you to carry that? I'm sick of carrying stuff from one year to the next. Wherever we go, there we are, Alcoholics Anonymous. Just because we go from one year to the next, we think automatically the newness of life that we are just going to become a different person. And that's not true. Just because the calendar year says it's 2019 doesn't mean we're going to experience any change. Nothing is going to change. Listen to me. Nothing will change when we wake up on Tuesday morning if we are not intentional and we don't have an exit strategy from 2018 going into 2019. If we don't have a strategy, we can just expect the same old thing and the definition of insanity is doing the same old thing, expecting the same result, different results. It's not going to happen. Insanity. And there's a great story in the Bible. I love it. It's, in, uh, it's the story of the children of Israel. Do you mind if I do more of a visual sermon today? Is that all right? That's why we have this up here today. But there are a few chapters when you look in the book of Exodus. And I'm going to start here in Exodus chapter 13 in verse 17. If you have your Bible, you'll want to turn there. Exodus 13, starting in verse uh, number 17. Just going to give you a couple of verses here. And then I'm going to sum up some of the things that happen since I can't possibly give you all of these passages. I can't read you everything. So this is what it says, and then I'll give you the context. Is this on here? Oh, nope, I'm not on. There we go. All right, so when you look at this, let's read this together. Exodus 13, 17 to 18, it says, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. That's interesting. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Dead Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Interesting, right? What are we talking about? Can I give you the context? Not everyone in here knows what the heck this is from. This is a story of the children of Israel. Ready for this? They have been in bondage for 430 years. 430 years! Do you know how long our country's been around since you, you think about Independence Day, July 4th, 1776? What is that? Roughly almost 100, uh, 250 years? Almost? 400 plus years. Think about how long generation after generation after generation has been in bondage in Egypt. Now God says, I'm going to raise up somebody that is going to deliver my people, and we know that is going to be Moses. And God says, you're going to be the one to do it. I don't care if you have a stutter. I don't care what you think. And I love what the New Living Translation says. I, probably not many of you have that uh, version of the Bible, 
But they had this section. I loved it when I saw it. It says, Israel's wilderness detour. Don't you like that? You know why? Can I just, I, I mean, I could, I could just go on this for a while too. I love the word detour. Because the text says, look, the text says in the beginning that the fastest, the shortest, the quickest way to get from Goshen, Egypt, where they were in captivity, to Canaan, the promised land, is pretty much almost a straight line. But God says, I can't take you there the short way. We're going to take the scenic route. And the scenic route, a lot of times, is longer. How many of you, at some point in life, you took the scenic route? I've taken the scenic route so many times, but not by choice. Because I'm directionally challenged, even with the Waze app. All right, I got it. No, my wife doesn't even know this. My uncle, we had a family party last Sunday, right? I got lost going from Port Jefferson back to your house and nobody knew it. I didn't tell anyone. I had to pull the Waze app out and figure out where I was. For 15 minutes, I got lost getting back to your house. If anyone tells my wife, we will never talk again. My wife is not to know this story. It's unbelievable. Is anybody else like me? I sit there. I, I, I'm talking to myself in the car. We're related, right? So I'm sitting in the car, and I'm like, how does that happen? You're not like that. Are you really? I'm shocked. Wow. But right? So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, how did this happen? The detour. How come we always look for God in the dramatic, but sometimes he says, I'm the God of the detour. I'm not going to do it in the dramatic way that you think I'm going to show up. I'm going to take you around and I'm going to take you to maybe something that looks like a dead end. It's going to be a detour because I want to do something inside of you. You're not ready to go into the promised land until we work on some things in our lives. The God of the detour. That's what he's going to be doing with them. You want to see on a map? I thought you'd want to see a map. How about this? This is really cool when you see this. All right, so this is when you look there on the left. How do I highlight on this puppy? I don't know, but you can see there on the left. That is the path that would have been there. Real history, right? Real geography. The way of the Philistines. And you can see going to the promised land, it would have been almost, right, a straight line going across a 10, 11-day journey. But look what God says. God says, no, no, we're not going to go in a straight line because the fastest way to get from point A to point B is to zigzag. We're going to just zig, and then when you think we're going to zig more, we're going to zag, and then we're going to just keep going back and forth because there are things that I have to do. How many of us have felt this in life? When God gave you a promise, when you felt like you looked at something, a situation, and you said, God, which way are you taking me? I thought I was going to get this job. I thought I was going to get the girl. I wanted to have kids. My kids are wayward. And something happens, and God says, I'm still in it. There are things and seasons you have to go through, and you have to trust me in spite of what you see. Don't be moved by what you see. Don't be moved by what you feel. Trust me and know that I am God. And they're living this monotonous, you know, just the repetition of the daily routine. How many of you feel that? You're like, yeah, I'm feeling it right now. And you go to work, right? And you feel the monotony. That's what the Israelites were basing. That's what they're living in. And God sends an exit. He sends an exit and he says, look, you're going to go the hard way. It's not going to be easy for you. And he doesn't take them the short way too. And I find this interesting because he says, you're going to have to fight down the road. And if I take you the short way, you're not going to be ready to fight You won't be able to handle it. So by marinating and taking a little more time and going the scenic route, you will then be prepared down the road for what I want to do in our lives. I know this kind of message isn't popular because you know what kills me though too? I went to the gym this morning. You know what I loved about the gym this morning? JP, we were at the gym talking this morning. You know what I love about being at the gym on, what is this, December, what, am I the 30th? 
Am I on the right day? I'm just making sure. So it's December 30th, 2000. You know what I love? Because next week, in a couple of days, the rest of the world comes to the gym, right? So I had to enjoy the last couple of days of 2018. But then in three weeks, the gym is empty again. Because we want the short route. We want the easy way. We live in a microwaving, FedExing culture that wants it here and we want it now. And God says, I don't work that way. Things take time. We don't have time, though, in the world that we live in. And here's point number one. Point number one is every single exit is followed by an exit opportunity. It's the way I'm wording it. I don't know. Every single exit as we exit 2018 We are followed by an opportunity here in the middle before we even move into 2019. God is giving us an opportunity to evaluate and to look at things in our lives and to leave some of the clutter and to leave some of the baggage and address it because many times we don't. He's saying now, you know what? This is the perfect time to do a reset. We just think again, look, I hope this works. We just think, right? We just think, I'm going to walk in. I made it. I'm going to walk into 2019. Here, here we are. We made it. Woo! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Glad somebody's with me, right? Isn't that what we do? Come on, no, seriously. We just enter the new year. We ring it in. Whatever you ring it in with, champagne, apple cider, whatever you ring it in with, that's what we do. We walk into the next year and we just go, wow, here it is, a new year. And then we wake up on Wednesday or Tuesday morning, whatever the heck the day is, and we wake up. We wake up. When you're a teacher, you're all discombobulated. That's why I keep asking because you don't know what day it is. Every day is Saturday until you actually go back to school, right? So every exit, though, is an exit opportunity and here we are in the middle and we have a chance to reset don't you love that word pastor linda threw it at me this week don't you love that word reset that's basically when we go into a new year it god gives us an opportunity to reset to pause and to reset and evaluate and look at things But every single time we exit something, we have an opportunity. Let's think about it this way. I was with my wife the other day. Here's just another story uh, about us. I I let you look inside my world. Um, We had a little little quarrel uh, the day after Christmas. And this is so petty, and you're going to think it's so silly. But it had to do with the fact I got in the car, one car, to bring it to the mechanic to just get an oil change, right? Quick oil change. Well, we had to drive to New Jersey for a doctor appointment with one of the kids, right? So we're doing that, and I bring the, get in the car to drop it off, and there's the gas lights on. Yeah, yeah, don't, don't elbow your partner. Don't elbow, because some of you were like, you do that, right? But I'm like, really? Really? I have to drop, and I was, for some reason, I was so embarrassed that I was dropping my car off with the gas light on. Is that, is that weird? Like, I'm on the couch, right? I'm asking you to help me right now. It's the other way. I don't know why, but I was like, oh, no. And we get in this little, like, fight, right? And we're driving to New Jersey, and we fought for a little while. And then it was like we both looked at each other. And I'm like, we're in the past. We would have just kept fighting, and it would have just kept escalating. But we said, you know what? It was an opportunity before we got out of the car and got into the doctor's office because sometimes things just keep going. Can I get an amen from married couples? And it was an opportunity. And we said, this is so stupid. Honey, I love you. This is so dumb. It's so petty. It's so trivial. I'm going to let it go. Because sometimes in my marriage, I haven't let things go. Have you ever been in a situation? Let's make, I'll bring it more down to where you are. Do you ever get in a fight with maybe your spouse or somebody you're dating and you go into a party and you get out of the car and it's an exit opportunity and the opportunity is from this point to the point you actually have to walk in the house and you get up to the door and you're fighting and you're going at it and then the door, hey, hey, how you doing? Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. And we hide, right? And we hide. We do a real good job. And we pretend 
It's an opportunity that we have. We have opportunities all the time. Exits everywhere. Everywhere I'm going. I'm at Sight and Sound. Uh, where was that? Yesterday were we there or two days ago? Yes. I don't even know. Two days ago I was at Sight and Sound. And we went to, by the way, go see Jesus. If you haven't seen it, it's amazing. Right? But everywhere I went, I saw exit signs. Like there's exit signs everywhere. Did you ever look? You were on the highway, exit signs. We're constantly exiting one thing and then we're entering something else. Constantly, every single place we go and we need to be a people that have real exit strategies. And every time we exit something, get this, ready? When you look at the word exit, can we break it down? E-X, X, dash, it. God wants us to X some things out this year as we move in. It's X it time. Time to X some things out that we've been carrying for so long. Let's X some things out, exit opportunities. This is a season. And some of us, you may say, you know what? I barely made it out of 2018. I barely made it out of 2018. Whether it's your finances, you're saying, man, if you saw my bank account, I barely made it out. And you put more pressure on yourself when you bought all those gifts for Christmas. And guess what? The bills are coming next month. I learned that lesson years ago. I don't do that anymore. Never. How about when it comes to our health and you say your health was on the brink, but God said, you know what? I'm not letting you go out like that. Your marriage, we did a whole series on relationships. We talked about changes at heal. We did boundaries. We're doing all this stuff and your marriage was on the brink and God said, you know what? Your marriage isn't over. I'm going to do a new thing in your marriage. And God says, as you go from 2018 to 2019, there are some promises in my word that I want you to stand on how about can we just deep can i just deviate for a second because that word just hit me in my spirit how about promises how about his promises you want an exit strategy we have to stand on his promises in his word the problem is we have more facebook and instagram word than we do eternal word boom we do. So many of us will spend more time this week on social media than we actually will sitting down with the living God and getting some real word for our lives. That's the battle. That's what the devil wants us to do. But we don't sit there and stand. I'm talking about standing on promises and rehearsing the promises. That's a good word for 2019. Rehearsing. Instead of rehearsing our situations, which is what we do, we rehearse where we are. What if we had a different mindset, a paradigm shift, and we started to rehearse his promises for us? What you, no, no, you're not getting it. How about, how about when you have young kids? What do we do with young kids? We teach them the alphabet, right? Okay, Johnny, ready? A, B, C, D. Yeah, you do it, you do it. A, B, C, H. No, 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 Johnny, you got to do it again. A, B, C, D. Okay, I'll, do, I'll try it, Daddy. I'll try it. A, B, C, D, F. No, 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 Johnny. No, no, no. You skipped, you skipped it. And eventually, we rehearse things with them. We rehearse things with them. And then eventually, the A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. And we all know the alphabet because we rehearsed it and we rehearsed it and we rehearsed it and that's how the kids learned it. Let me tell you, as a teacher in a high school, how come all these kids can recite all of the lyrics from these rappers and they can do Hamilton and they can do any song? And Listen, I can do movie lines. Don't get me started. You don't, I know more movie lines. Listen to me. Listen to me. That's what I did as a child. I would sit there and I would just memorize movie lines. If we can memorize music lyrics, if we can memorize movie lines and rehearse them, how come we don't rehearse the promises that are in his word? 
And we can talk to fear and we can talk to anxiety and say, devil, you are a liar. I'm not rehearsing your lies. I'm not being moved by what you say. I'm standing on God's word and you don't even talk to him. You just stand, 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 having done all to stand. (laughs) Rehearse the promises. Saints, rehearse them. It's important. Where am I? I don't know, I'm all, I like it. I'm all over the place a little bit today and I'm, I'm just enjoying it. Enjoying that. You want to see what's behind the curtain now? No? Okay. <laughs> Let's thank Joanne for, uh, Joanne. I'm in Pennsylvania. Jo- I'm telling Joanne what my idea and Joanne's putting this all together. I don't know where this thing's going. I don't even, I didn't even fold it up right. Give Joanne a hand. Oops. But this is, you can see here, all the bags. Let me move this out of the way a little bit. I know I'm on this side. So you can stand up for a second if you can't really see that. But there are so many cases that we have that we're trying to bring into the new year. And here we are. We have fear for many of us. We have fear of the future. Fear of what the future brings. How many of you would be honest? You've had some fear in the last week about what portends it for 2019. Who's had some fear in your life? Anyone want to be honest? Some fear. The enemy wants to rack us with fear. And then we have anybody comparison? How about a study that came out in Germany? Study came out in Germany. One out of three people that, this is a recent one. One out of three people that go on social media are more dissatisfied with their lives after going on social media, especially after looking at holiday pictures. One out of three people. And we sit there, and here we go, it's 2019, and we're trying to drag all this stuff in. We're trying to get in. But I, but I, have, to, I have to go into 2019, and God is saying, you can go into 2019, but you can't bring all of this stuff. You can't bring it into the promised land. It can't come. Come on. And all these things. Hey, come on. Can, you want me to re- can I really preach a little bit? I know some of you still have the Christmas hangover going. But if we really talk about it, I said, Joanne, we need one that says lukewarm. We need one that says lukewarm. Because I think... For a lot of Christians, they come to church on Sunday, I give God my best on Sunday, and we just go back to living the same old life on Monday through Saturday. And people in the world, when they look at us Monday through Saturday, they, you're a Christian? I've been to places before, and people go, that guy's a Christian? Wait, 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 she's a Christian? Church, it is not a time for us to be lukewarm in our faith. It is a time for us to take things seriously. God is saying, like he said to the church at Laodicea, Laodicea, historically, geographically, they were surrounded by two cities. One had very hot springs. One had very cold springs. And Laodicea had this, he's saying, do not be lukewarm. You can be hot. You can be cold. But do not be lukewarm. Be on fire or have nothing to do with it. But don't sit in the middle, and I'm sorry, when you look at American Christianity, the majority of people are in the middle. I'm too comfortable. I don't want to get up and go to church. I don't want to join a hill house. I want to stay isolated. I want to stay with my own problems. I can't do it. I don't want to forgive anyone. I'm not going to forgive any. I'm just talking now. I'm, done. I'm, I'm just going to talk for a little bit. This is the children of Israel were in the wilderness for 40 years. They're complaining. All they did was complain. And they had manna come down from heaven. God provided manna and quail. The manna was like wafers with honey on it. And all they do, we have manna every day. We have manicotti. We have banana bread. I don't want any of this stuff anymore. You know, listen, listen. I'm Italian, so I said manna is managot. Right? But if I said managot, half of you would go, what is that? Right? Right? And the other half would go, that's good. Right? But seriously, how many of us, 
are trying to walk through with unforgiveness? How many of us are trying to walk into 2019 and we harbor offenses and we're so upset with people in our lives and we're trying to make our way through into 2019? Hey, how y'all doing? How how y'all doing? Everything good in 2019? I can't get through because I have all this baggage. Who is God? Just fall over. Who is God asking you to forgive this year before you move into next year? I'm keeping this simple today because this is where we live. Where is God called? You know, again, it's amazing how many times we have to talk about offenses as pastors. I'm so sick of people being offended about such petty stuff. My heart breaks. And some of it comes our way. Listen to me. Some of it comes at us. We're not mind readers. We don't know everyone's schedule. We don't know everything that happens in everyone's lives. So can you give us some grace too? We don't know. We love you, but we're not mind readers. Help us. We don't know. But is there someone in your life personally that you need to forgive? And you're waiting for them to forgive you. You're waiting for them to make the first step. And God is saying, no, no, no. Before you go into 2019, you need to go up to somebody that has offended you or you have offended them. You need to ask for forgiveness. You need to give forgiveness. I don't know. Is there someone in your life this year that you need to forgive? But enough. As a pastor, we can pastor you. Enough. When I hear of offense, you know what it does to our hearts? And no church is perfect and there are issues everywhere. But we would ask that you go to your brother or your sister like the word says. And if you have an issue, that you would bring it to them and stop talking behind their back and telling every other person about their issues. Why don't you just go to them and get to the root of the problem and stop talking about them? Right? Who's next? It's all right if I just do it this way. I didn't have a... I'm, you know I'm structured, right? When I, not everything left, but when I get up here and speak, like I treat every sermon like it's my last and I'm going to put my time in and do what I can, give you everything I have, but I'm just kind of going there because I feel like this is what God wants me to do right now. So I'm just trying to be obedient with that. How about Blaine? How about Blaine? Some of us in here, we have been blaming a parent for the last 40 years for what they didn't give us. <laughs> it's still your dad's fault after... 20 years, they let you down. Or an event that happened, I'm going to blame everything in my life on what they did. How many people went all 2018 and God says, this is your exit strategy. This is an exit opportunity before you go into 2019 to say, I'm not blaming everyone this year. I'm going to look at myself in the mirror. I'm going to put down the magnifying glass and pick up the mirror that we talked about last year. It's time to pick up the mirror, y'all, and look at our own lives and look at our, our faults and our shortcomings and look at where we're wrong instead of everyone else. Everyone else is always the problem. Blame, blame, blame. I can't tell you how many times we meet Christians that blame everyone else for their problems. It's their spouse, it's their kids, but it's never them. Wow, it's quiet. That means this is good. How about inconsistency? Should I put this one away? Can you handle the truth? How about inconsistency? It's a big one. Where are you inconsistent in your life? I'm, listen, the hardest part is, don't, I'm not talking at you, because I, I get it whenever I preach. The guy that speaks, I get hit the hardest, because God's hitting me. I'm, boom, I'm getting hit with the Mike Tyson uppercuts. Right? Because like, I see this in your life. This is where you're blaming. This is where you're inconsistent. I'm talking to Megan. And she's like, you're the most driven person I know. And I'm like, first of all, I'm not the most driven person you know. Let's just put that away. But there are areas that I'm inconsistent in my own life. That I want to be more consistent. How about you? How about in our relationships? Have you been inconsistent with people? When people look at you and they go, I don't know if I can really trust them. One day they're here. One day they're not. As pastors? As pastors? I'd like to see some people a little bit more. You don't have to go to church, and I shouldn't even, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. We all know that. 
but the Bible is pretty clear that you're to be part of a community and this is where we grow. Iron sharpens iron. This is where we stretch each other. This is where we challenge each other. This is where we talk the truth to each other. This is where we comfort each other. This is where we we get together when things are going really well. The highs and the lows, we get together. But I think there's so much inconsistency in the church. So much inconsistency. Where are we at with our walk? It's not a time to be lukewarm. And don't blame God. Listen, God has given us a choice. We look at it, it's our choice, and we, we pray, God, change me in 2019. If you're praying, God, change me in 2019, nothing's going to happen. It's not going to change. Because God says, I've given you, yes, change ultimately comes from the inside out, hear me, but we have to take certain steps in order to change. You can't make a declaration without making a decision. That's tweetable. You can't declare something without making a decision that we want to change. We're declaring promises, but we're not really living them out. We say good things, but are we really trusting God and are we really living them out? I don't know. What else is here? How about, how about pride? And how about pride? Anybody hit with this one? Pride, because we, hey, we want to control our situations and we want to control our own lives, and we don't want to give up that control. We, don't, we want to stay. I could have used isolation because that's a big one. How many of us in here are isolated? How many Christians are so isolated in their faith? And God says, will you take this and leave it here? Will you actually gather around other Christians and other people and actually share your lives? Doesn't it, can I use the word stink? Doesn't it stink when we go into a new year and we walk around in our Christian lives and we're not really sharing our lives though? Doesn't it? gets kind of old. And then we complain. You know what the children of Israel? Look at this. You go to chapter 15. After God parted the Red Sea, after they had the promise, I'm going back to promise again, right? I'm going back to that. They had a promise. They knew when they were in bondage that God said to Abraham and Isaac, you're going to go into the promised land. You're going to get into a promised land one day, y'all, and you're going to have milk and honey on tap. You're going to have grapes the size of your head, and you're going to go in, and you're going to enjoy it. But the children of Israel forgot the promises that God had. And here they are after the parting of the Red Sea. Look at this in chapter 15. They sing a song. The whole chapter, they're singing praise to their God who has delivered them, right? I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver, he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. A song. Only two chapters later, you go to chapter 17 and we find the children of Israel. They're complaining, complaining, and complaining. God has just delivered them with the Red Sea. They saw incredible miracles. They saw God's hand. What are they thinking? What are they doing? That's us. We're no different. Don't look at them and judge them and say, how could they have experienced that miracle at the Red Sea? I would never have doubted for the rest of my life. Anybody have doubts this week, by the way, the last week? Anybody you have doubts? Some doubts? Dealing with some of your doubts? Jeff, that was a good text, man. Come on. They saw this two chapters later, go to 17, and there they are, and the wheels are falling off. That's us. We see God's hand of provision in our lives, and then we, we, we have spiritual amnesia. We just forget. What, what did God do? I don't remember. Wait, what did, what did God do? God has been with us every step of the way. We may not feel like it's always going the way that we want it to. We may be going through struggles. We may be going through hardship, but to know and trust him. And listen, can I say it? We're not just supposed to be hearers of the word, but doers, right? Look what James says in the New Testament, 122 to 25. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive ourselves. Can I just stop right there? That word listen in the Greek is where we get our English word to audit, to audit. Do not merely audit the word and so deceive ourselves. There are so many Christians that would be a great book to talk about auditing Christianity. So many Christians are auditing Christianity. 
I can sit in here. I don't want to do any of the work. Don't ask me to do any of the assignments. I've had kids audit my classes before. And they come in. They don't do any of the work. They just kind of come in. They laugh with us. They enjoy everything. They don't get a grade at the end. They don't put the hard time work into it. They say, I'll sit here and I'll do this, but don't ask me to do anything outside of that. And James is saying, do not just audit the word and deceive ourselves. And there are so many Christians that are deceived because they think I have fire insurance and I know where I'm going. Saints, there's so much more that is not the gospel. And I'm sorry, the people on TV that are propagating that message, that is not the real gospel. That's barcode Christianity. Just tell me what I need to get across. What do I need? Just check me off so I can get into heaven one day. There is so much more. And God says, no, eternal life begins now. You don't have to wait to experience something until after you die. We can experience the living, transcendent God right here and right now. Yeah, church. Music team, why don't you start coming up? Because I won't stop. I, it just, I had pages and pages of note, but I, I, notes, but I think... I, I, are you getting the message? Are you getting the message today? And, and I could hit more. Oh, man, that was good, too, but I don't have time for that. And then I'm just going to kind of... And how about this? Uh, let, me, let me leave you with these words. The Apostle Paul... Uh, listen, I think the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. You want to argue with me, whatever, it's fine. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Saints, I'm here to tell you this morning as we close out the 2018 year that God wants us to be a people that throw everything off and to stop trying to come into the next year with all of the same problems. Y'all better get out of the way because you're not get, watch out because these bags want to get through. But there we are. And God is saying, I need you to throw everything off that hinders every weight, all of the baggage to let it go and to say, I'm walking into 2019, a new person. I'm not carrying any of this. I'm not carrying it all. And I don't want to overwhelm everyone because as you leave here today, you may go, do you know how many of these things I have to deal with that resonated with me this morning as you preached the sermon? I would say, you know what? We do my one word. How about picking one thing? Do something about one thing instead of nothing about everything. Why don't we just pick? Come on, that's the gospel because a lot of times preachers just get up and they'll just tell you to change everything in your life. Why don't we pick one thing in 2019? If it's not up here, you pick something else and you say, God, this is the area, my anxiety and my fear. It's not by willpower. We don't just say, I'm willing myself and I'm throwing this stuff off. There, We have to trust the other life that's inside of us to trust his power, to look to him and say, God, I'm actually going to get into your word. I'm going to get into community with other people in the context of community. That's where change happens. And I know and trust you that you are bigger than my fears. You are bigger than my anxiety. You are bigger than my pride. You are bigger than my lukewarmness. You are bigger than my inconsistency. You are bigger than it all. How great thou art. That song you sang today, How Great Thou Art, that was written by a Swedish dude. I don't remember his name. It was written in the 1880s. And he was in a huge storm. There was a thunderstorm. And he saw God's creation. And he saw the bolts of lightning go across the sky. And as the storm dissipated, he started to, in his spirit, he felt those words, How Great Thou Art. And he wrote the rest of the song because God is so powerful. And God is the one that has created everything. You look at your problems and tell them how big your God is. Stop looking at your problems and thinking, how, oh man, this is so big. I don't know. What am I going to do? And God says, that's so little. That's all. I'm the same God that, that parted the Red Sea. I got Daniel out of the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
when they were in the fiery furnace, turn that baby up seven times. And we're not bowing our knee. Even if our God doesn't save us, we don't care. We will never bow down and worship the idol that you have erected. I see a young shepherd boy named David, and he goes into the field, right? He goes into the valley, and there's the big giant. There's Goliath. He's got no shot. But our God said, you will overcome. All you have to do is trust me. I see Esther, and she's coming before a king. And she says, now is the time. You have come to the kingdom, Esther, for such a time as this. Get it go, girl. Get in front of the king. Faith, where is the faith in this day? Where is our faith? Peter and Andrew and James and John, they dropped their nets and they said, I'm going to follow this one, Jesus, because he is worth it. He didn't go to rabbi school, but he's the same one when he was 12 years old, Steve, when his parents found him in the temple and he was giving it to the scholars and the Pharisees and they didn't know where this guy's answers came from. Who is this kid that has this wisdom? You want me to go through the rest of the Bible? You want more examples? I'll keep us here till 2 o'clock. Because that's how many examples there are of God's power. Paul is preaching one time. And somebody fell out a window. Like somebody wants to probably fell asleep right now. And some dude fell out of a window and died. And God resurrected that person. I see a woman coming through the crowd. She's got an issue of blood. And there's Jesus. You're not supposed to go up to anybody. You're unclean, unclean. And she goes up to the master that is there. And she touches the hem of his garment because she believes what it says in Malachi, the prophet. She believes what it says about when Messiah comes, he'll come with healing in his kanaf, in his wings. I see a blind man on the side of the road named Bartimaeus. And he cries out. The word is kratzo, which means to shriek like a raven. And he cries out, Jesus, son of God, son of David, have mercy on me. I see Jesus feeding the 5,000. I see him feeding the 4,000. I see Jesus walking on water. But ultimately, you know what I see? I see Jesus. I see they take him and they put him on a cross. And it looks like that's it. The game is over. You perform some miracles and you raise Lazarus from the dead. But this is it. And they put him in a tomb. And three days later, the stone was rolled away. I know it's January 30th, 2018, but we're an Easter people. And there was resurrection life. And the same resurrection life is available for us. We don't have to carry all of this stuff into 2019. Saints, it's a new day. It's a new time. It's time for us to believe that change can really happen and come to fruition in our lives. You believe it? Stand up if you believe it. If you don't, just stay seated. That's okay. Why don't you start singing that song? I'm sorry. I kept you a little bit longer. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) You deliver us. From our enemies. Come on, church. I don't have to be a singer. I don't care. You can turn your Camry into a what? A tabernacle. Turn your house into a sanctuary where you praise God and the aroma goes up to heaven. And God says, there are people down there and they're praising and they're worshiping me. Stop looking at your problems. I don't care how you feel today. You woke up and you came here and you said, you know what? I'll go to church. I'll go through the motions. And God says, no, no, no. Something's going to happen today because you're not carrying this stuff into 2019. Come on, church. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.